0: This is the Apartment Building Investing Podcast, episode 163. Let's do this. You're listening to the Apartment Building Investing Podcast, where
1: we'll talk about all aspects of buying apartment buildings with a special focus on raising
0: money from others. And now, your hosts, Michael Blanc. Hey there, and welcome to the Apartment Building Investing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Blanc. Really excited that you're here. Today on the show, we have Rich Dad Advisor Blair Singer. He's Robert Kiyosaki's sales advisor, and he's authored several best selling books, including Little Voice Mastery, Sales Dogs, and Team Code of Honor. He really specializes in sales and personal development. He trains thousands and thousands of people how to become better at sales. And interesting, he believes that everyone is in sales, regardless of how old you are and what you are doing. And specifically, if you're a real estate investor. So on the on the show, we're going to talk about why sales is important to real estate investing, how to become better at it, and if you can do so, how you can use that to find more deals and raise more money. We also talk about that little annoying voice that tries to keep you from achieving your goals and how to tame it. How to motivate it and how to use it to get where you want to go and a lot more so there's there's no surprise that he is a rich dad advisor because he's amazing so you better get out a pen and paper because you can have to take some notes and he's going to blow your mind before we get in the show I just want to remind you guys we have deal maker live coming up end of july july 26 27 in dallas And we really have a who's who in the multifamily investing space is going to be there. We have the author of The Miracle Morning is going to be there. His name is Hal Elrod. Oh my gosh, I already talked several times with him. He's a great guy. He's just coming out with a new book as well. We got real estate guys, Robert Helms there. We got Joe Fairless there, Adam Adams, Corey Peterson, and of course, myself as well. So if you're a passive investor, you got to be there because you're going to meet really some really strong operators that you may want to invest with. If you are an active investor, a syndicator, a capital raiser, you're going to want to go there to become a better syndicator. Indicator to meet the capital raisers. And if you're a capital raiser, to come to meet other very strong operators. So it's kind of the place to be in the summer in Dallas, Dealmaker Live, to get your tickets. It's the MichaelBlanc.com forward slash event. The event is about, uh, gosh, almost half sold out. We're expecting about 500 people, and we're still about two and a half months out. So I encourage you guys to go right now to dealmakerlive.com forward slash event and grab your tickets and hope to see you in Dallas. All right. Without further ado, let's get into this unbelievable interview with Blair Singer. Here we go. Blair, welcome to the show today.
1: Michael, it's a pleasure and an honor to be here. Thank you so much.
0: Oh, it is a, an honor to have you on on the show here. Now, you obviously you're, you're a rich dad advisor to Robert Kiyosaki for sales, which I found interesting. All right, because why would Robert Kiyosaki in a context of finance and and real estate want a sales advisor? Like what's the relation here?
1: Well, I, that's a great question. I'll t- and I'll tell you that Robert will tell you, I will tell you and any entrepreneur will tell you that your number one skill in any business, property, real estate, retail, wholesale, medical whatever, your number one skill is the ability to sell because sales equals income. You know, whether you are trying to either raise capital for a deal, whether you're trying to sell people into your property, if you're trying to, you know, get a range or recruit a good team together, it's all about sales and that's how Robert and I actually first met. 30-plus years ago, he was a sales rep for Xerox, and I was a sales rep for Burroughs, now called Unisys, and that's where we first started was learning how to sell.
0: If I remember from your story as well as Robert's, uh, one of the reasons you guys joined these companies was because they had some of the best sales training out of any company at the time. Why did you feel that was something that you really wanted to acquire?
1: Well, because it became very, very clear when I went out to try to even get a job (laughs) that I was... I couldn't even interview properly. I couldn't even sell myself to get a job. And I'm thinking, geez, you know, clearly, you know, watching my dad, watching my grandfather who was a livestock dealer and all that, that one thing they could do is they could sell. And you're absolutely right. There In those days, there was really no good sales training around unless you were recruited by or applied and were accepted by one of the big three or four or five companies that were really sales driven, you know, they were insurance or or in the computer industry.
0: Yeah. And when you say sales, I mean, it conjures up image of the used car salesman. And in your book, Sales Dogs, which by the way, you guys are watching, listening to this, you gotta read this thing because as you argue, everyone's in, in sales, but what I love about it is that you you basically, you draw the perils between the sales personalities and breeds of dogs. Exactly. Which I found hysterical, and you right. read the book and you're like, oh my gosh, you're so right, There's that's the pit bull salesperson. But see, when I'm thinking sales, I'm thinking a pit bull salesperson, but there's four other personalities. That's right, and you're
1: very accurate, Michael. One of the reasons I created that book was because people have that stereotype that to be in sales is some kind of a used cigar chomping attack dog right and and people say well, I, i'm not that kind of person and i'm not either and you aren't either i can tell so but that doesn't mean you can't make money and so we've identified is that there are four other personality types besides the stereotypical pit bull. there's the poodle who's the charmer and the networker and likes to be around other people really good at networking. There's the Chihuahua who's very detail-oriented, very fact-oriented, does incredibly good market research and creates irrefutable evidence to support a deal. There's the Golden Retriever who loves to serve first, which, you know, if you're doing anything on social media, you'll know that that's a very powerful strategy is to give a lot of value first and they'll reciprocate later. And then, of course, the, finally, the uh, Basset Hound, the hush puppy look, those people that look you in the eye and they can build instant rapport. And so the whole idea of the book was to let people know in a very fun, non-threatening way that you can make a lot of money just being yourself. You know, you can make a lot of money just playing to your own strengths if you just know what they are. I find that the one reason people don't sell, they go, I'm not a pit bull, but that's not the real truth. The truth is most people are terrified of rejection. So the book was a combination of finding your strength and then how do you overcome that what we call the little voice in your head that's afraid of people saying no to you.
0: Yeah, and it's so encouraging. As I read that book, I was like, "Yeah, I'm not a pit bull. I'm I'm more of a retriever, maybe with, with crossbred with a chihuahua a little bit, right? <laughs> like the, the the idea of doing a hard close on you is like ah, like I hate that, right? That's like the, the worst thing. Mm-hmm. But if you recognize your character or or the mix of the characters, like, oh my gosh, I'm like one of those breeds. I actually am in sale, and and I don't have to be like the pit bull. I can actually yeah. be like this and still be successful."
1: You know, Michael, and that's true. And not only that, if you take that one step further, if you're building a team and you've got a a team of people selling for you and, and you want them to sell, same thing is true. Your job is to spot what their strength is and based upon the formulas we give in the book, get them to play to their strengths.
0: Yeah. Playing your strength and instead of overcoming your weaknesses. You talk about a lot about that as well. So that was really encouraging to kind of recognize yourself. And I think you basically cover every possible personality out there. Mm-hmm. And so no one can say, oh, no, I'm not, a, I'm not one of those, right? right? So basically the bottom line is you're saying everyone's in sales regardless of where you are, what you're doing. If you're a real estate investor, you know what is important to be better at sales if you're a real estate investing.
1: Well, there's two things. The first thing is, is to understand that the toughest and most important sale of all in any business is you selling you to you, your self-confidence your ability to pick up the phone, your ability to get in front of an investor, your ability to have the confidence to even stand up and pitch a deal, particularly if it's a new category, like if you're going from commercial to residential or or if you've never even invested in real estate before. So that's the most important sales. So that's number one. Number two is to understand the skills about how to find out what other people want and be able to give it to them, right? I mean, different investors have different desires different wants different needs and the ability to craft a pitch to craft a proposal and Repeatedly to take the nose. I'm not interested What are you talking about and to have the persistence to go through that until you find your own formula? For being able to raise capital and I find that I remember the first time I raised capital for a piece of property I'd raise over a million dollars and at the time that was a big deal to me because I had sold a lot but Something happens when you are raising capital for your business or property, whatever, is that now it's personal because what you're doing is you're selling yourself, their trust in you to make this deal work. So what it does, it plays on you a little bit harder. So I I tell people that you should practice more, practice your pitch, write it out, video for the first time to get yourself used to the process.
0: I think you said earlier, I think the biggest number one fear of any kind of sales situation is a fear of rejection, because we feel like a no is is not just a no to what we're proposing, but a no to us. Exactly. We take it very personally. And the pit bull clearly has no concept. I know people, you can tell them no in the face. They're like, oh, this is great. And they go chase another bone, right? But most people, including myself, you tell me no, I'm like, really? I, you just hurt my feelings, right? Exactly. So how do you overcome this fear of rejection and keep going and keep going?
1: Well, there's the fast way and there's the long way. The fast way is just to practice it. I mean, I wish I could tell you, you know, how do you hit a fastball? I mean, you're just going to have to sit there in front of the pitching machine long and hard until you start tagging them. If you think about anything you learn, it takes practice and it just blows my mind. I have worked with hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of people in over 20 countries around the world by now, teaching them how to sell big companies, little companies, investors, all this stuff. And you would think... That when you have money on the line, that you would practice before you'd go practicing on a live customer. That doesn't make sense. So what I say that the more reps you get, the easier it becomes. That and you will kind of deaden that little bit of fear that goes on in there. But most people can't get past the first couple. Uh, that's gotcha. number one. Number two is obviously you get some good coaching. You know, we have coaches all over the world who sit down and work with what we call your little voice you know, where's that rejection coming from and how can we help you reprogram and take a longer view, which is a much more permanent way to do it. But it just takes practice and, oh, and the third piece is a little bit of technique. You got to have some technique to know what to say when they say no and how to turn it around.
0: Yeah. So it, it seems to me like it's an incredibly, it be incredibly valuable skill to have a pitch or a presentation to a potential investor, knowing what they're looking for, listening to them, and being comfortable with them and getting better and better at that. That would be a valuable skill to have.
1: Yeah. So it was a valuable skill to have in, in life? I mean, whether you're asking for investor money or if you're single and you're trying to ask somebody out on your first date or to get a prime candidate to be on your team. You know, why would I want to come to work for you? Is it just because of how much you're going to pay me or my commission or is there something? So there's so many places and I, I just want to say one thing. Yes, practice. Yes, do those things. But, you know, at the bottom line, when you're actually in front of somebody, you throw the script away. You're going to throw the script away. You got to be present with them. Ask good questions if you're one on one. Now, if you're in a group, that's a whole other scenario which we teach people how to do that, how to stand in front of a group, command the group so you can win their respect and trust within the first you know, 90 seconds or so and then be able to craft a presentation. So it's fascinating. There's lots of ways of doing it, but the more you do it, clearly I wish I could give you a silver bullet, but the more you do it, the more comfortable you become.
0: I mean, you have a lot of great techniques in the book, Sales Dog. So it's an awesome read. So you guys, you need to definitely check out that book. It's an easy read, really entertaining, well done. You know, Otherwise, you know, I guess a, a drier subject, but it was it was well done. So thank you for that. No <laughs> now, the, the other book, that, The Little Voice Mastery that you wrote, you started getting a few years ago into more personal development. So this is not so much a sales book, but it's really a more about dealing with your own mind to yes. be able to achieve goals and to become a better person. What made you kind of launch into that kind of genre of book
1: the reason was because the real secret behind my success all the way back and it was due to kiyosaki by the way when i met him in hawaii i owned a surf shop and he was selling his velcro wallets and he, and that's how i met him he was coming in and made me a sales pitch and i didn't want to buy him and he started yelling at me telling me i was stupid and i'm going that's a pretty interesting sales approach right <laughs> but we became best friends and partners all these years as a result of it. And he invited me to go to a personal development program way back then. And it so radically shifted the way I looked at the world by taking responsibility for myself, that I was no longer a victim, that in fact, that if I had any problem or obstacle I had it was going on between my own ears, then it was not out there. I just became adamant about studying as much about my own psychology as I could. And so then a few years ago, I decided, I said, well, look, the real secret to selling is, you know, this is the book, Little Voice Mastery, is, is winning the war between your ears. That's the tough sale. So what I did is I just compiled, you know, after hours and hours and years and years and hundreds of thousands of dollars of coaching for me, for me, I just took and tried to distill it down into a little manual so people could get control of that chatter between their ears and get on with their lives.
0: Yeah, so what is the importance of managing that little voice that you have? I and mean, what is it, first of all? What's it, what's it saying and, and why is it important that you kind of get a handle on it?
1: Okay, so if you don't know what the little voice is, if you're listening right now, if you don't know what the little voice is, it's that thing in your head that said, what little voice? I don't have a little voice. That's the one, okay? <laughs> I, I tell Mine sounds like my mother. I don't know what yours sounds like, but it's this little voice that goes, you can't do that and you're not smart enough, quick enough experienced enough or whatever, not enough. That's a, a real common one. Or, you know, they don't like me. What if they don't like the way I look and all these things that go on in our heads. And I tell people in this, that that negative conversation, I call it your negative little voice. You know, it'll sabotage the best efforts. You know, let's say you and I are working together and everything's great. And I come to you, we've been working together for two years. And I come to you and I got a deal and I want to raise, guy, and I'm going to come to you and I say, you know what, Michael, I have this amazing opportunity and I'd like to talk to you about it. And the minute I start pitching you for money, you re- all of a sudden what triggers is five years ago when somebody asked you for money and they burned you. And now all of a sudden our relationship, even though we've been in a good relationship for two years. All of a sudden, that relationship changes right now because I triggered a little voice in your head that was still stuck on being betrayed before, right? I've seen it blow up deals, and it works on the reverse side. So the people that I work with, one of the things when we work with professionals and investors and salespeople and leaders of companies, this is one of the first things we do is get them to understand what that little voice is. You don't have to fix it. There's like 20 techniques in the book that you can handle on a daily basis, which are perfect. But just be aware that that little voice may not be telling you the truth of what's happening right now. It's based upon old stuff, old experiences, propaganda, media, friends, and all that other garbage. And when you can move it aside, now you're in control of your life again.
0: So what you're saying is developing self-awareness in a voice is an important step.
1: Number one, number
0: one. So how how do you do that? I mean, you, you, you see the behavior. You see it in a variety of ways. You see people that are not taking action for whatever reasons. You can't explain it. Maybe they're afraid or they're procrastinating. Some people are keeping busy so they don't actually have to make the phone call, right? So these are all different ways that you see it manifest itself. If you find yourself kind of in this situation, what can one do to try to become more of what's actually going on inside you?
1: Well... The first thing, like you said, is awareness and the classic way of being aware is if you experience the same problem more than once in the kind of sequence, you're going and you start saying to yourself, why is this happening to me again? Guaranteed, you should stop right there and going, okay, there's something going on over here that's re-manifesting this problem. Could be a series of rejections, could be a problem you have with a teammate, could be something having to do with your weight or your health or whatever. Could be a lot of things. At that point, you do some introspection. Say, so what is the thought going on in my mind, or what is, the, as you said, what's the behavior that's blocking this? And the one you mentioned is perfect. I couldn't think of a better one. You know, keep yourself busy. So I'm too busy. I don't have time. 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 Or if people keep coming up to you and saying it's too expensive. It's too much money. Then that's something going on with you. You know, there's something going on with you. And to sit down either with a good coach. Like I said, there's like 20 techniques to identify some of these things. When your energy is low, how to bring your energy back up. When you're doubting yourself, how to turn it around. Just know that you always have the choice.
0: Yeah, that's so so true. You talk also a lot about, you know, a theme in there is the being authentic. And why do most people find that this is actually a challenge? You'd figure out you'd be kind of true to yourself in some way. But why is that important? And, and why are maybe most people maybe not authentic?
1: Well... That's a great question. Very few people ask that one. So thanks for asking it. That question, why do people have a hard time being authentic? And the reason is, is because I call it imposter syndrome. It pops up a lot when I'm teaching people to present in front of a room. They don't think like they've earned the right, that they're smart enough, rich enough and all that stuff. So what happens is we put on a facade. So we hope that people will like us. Because the fear is if they saw who I really, here's a little voice, if they saw who I really am like, they might not like me. If they saw, I'm trying to raise hundreds of thousands of dollars right now, but if they see that my car is a i be- I'm driving a beater right now, or my kids, you know, are flunking out of school or whatever, if they knew that about me, they might not trust me. So we are so addicted as human beings to be approved of by others. That what happens is we stretch the truth about ourselves. We don't want to show our true colors, and I can tell you that's the problem. But on the flip side of it, as you alluded to, people want to be able to trust somebody, and people are smart. You know, millennials are smart. They can smell a phony pitch. They can smell when somebody's not being real or they're laying a line on them. And you know what? I think that's encouraging. And I think that if you can just have the courage. To air your laundry, so to speak, I mean, you don't have to tell people things they don't need to know, but but to be truthful and honest about yourself. Say, if you're raising capital for the first time, say, look, you know, this is the first time and I'm really excited, but I've learned with amazing people. I've learned from Michael Blank and his whole team and I've learned from the advisors. I've been coached by the best on the planet and I'm just really looking forward to, to working with you on it. Yeah, you're not going to get the Donald Trump investors because you're not there yet. <laughs> But you're going to get the other people that are also beginning. And there's more of those people than there are the others.
0: So being true to yourself, I think that's one thing. Find your own voice instead of trying to be what you think someone else wants you to be. Or maybe trying to copy someone. You talk about that in your book as well. And I think it goes along with another thing you say is, is a lot of people tend to try to overcome their weaknesses versus trying to play into your strengths. That's right. That's and i think at one point you even say hey you you actually can't be whoever you want to be like that's a falsehood right right, right? So talk about the importance, first of all, of doing that instead of instead of focusing on your overcoming your weaknesses, but actually focusing on and playing into your strengths, because that's actually where your true self somehow lies.
1: That's right. You know, if you wanted to find all the things that are wrong, if I want to find all the things that are wrong with me, I could be here for the next 10 years because there's plenty (laughs) of bad habits. So if you want to focus, there used to be a a school thought is find out what's wrong and fix it. Well, you know, that's painful what I learned a long time ago is find out what you're good at and do more of that. What you're not good at, do less of that. Okay. Pretty simple formula. But these, all these people, if you're trying to compare yourself to, I got to be like you or he got to be like me, then you're continually being a victim. You're, You're constantly being at the effect of what's outside of you. So what I say is this is that I say that being true to yourself is about being honest with yourself. Like you said, in the old days of personal development, they say you can be whoever you want to be. That's just BS, not true. You can't be – it's like me. I'm 5'8". You know, I, I'd say I want to play basketball. I want to play in the NBA. That's not going to happen. There's no way. I don't care how hard I try. That's not going to happen. But I can be who I'm supposed to be. And my belief, my doctor, after all these years, and I've been in this business a really long time, is that I believe that in everybody's DNA, there's a gift – there's a talent to do something. And it doesn't have to be completely unique, but you have the ability to do something. And I, for me, I think it's a lifelong search to find what that is. Clearly, you're a great teacher, Michael. Clearly, you have the ability to reach people, to get to them, to help them change their lives in a very short period of time, help them realize their financial dreams. That's a gift. You, we interviewed 10 other people, 100 other people, 99 of them won't be able to do it, but you can. So I say, stop wasting your time on the stuff you're not good at. Find what you are good at, focus on that. And the other stuff that you're not good at, you'll either discard or fix as you go. It's a much more pleasurable experience, by the way.
0: That's a very good point. And and I think a lot of people think that, and and this is true, that it, it may take a long, 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 long time to be successful with something. And you're saying, no, it doesn't have to be that way. I, yeah. think, I think there's a quote from the book, uh, the path of success isn't as long as we think because we're actually bad judges of distance, which is very encouraging. That's kind of what I want to hear. But why do you say that's true?
1: Well, because I've just seen, I've witnessed it myself and I've witnessed it, like I said, with hundreds of thousands of students and people that I've coached and I've worked with and members of my team. Where you want to go is a distance between your right ear and your left ear. That's it, hmm. okay? So I have seen people that procrastinate. I have a friend Melbourne, Australia, came to a program, wanted to be a property investor, great example. Name's Laz Grecos. This guy, he was about 28 years old at the time, hair down to here, red, rich dead, poor dad, didn't do anything. I put him up in front of the room. I had him model Martin Luther King. It's a little exercise, dude. I want you to model this piece. I want you to do it just like him. boom, 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 boom. Well, to make a long story short, it so shifted the way he looked at himself and the world that in 30 days following the program, he raised $50 Australian dollars for his first deal. He had never Mm. even raised a dime in his life. So countless examples of that, because when somehow or other, the fog clears for a second and you get a taste of what you're able to do, the rest of the world changes that quickly.
0: I've seen that before. And I think that the key ingredient is confidence, right? You go from someone... It's not knowledge so much, really. It's because knowledge you can acquire, but it's really confidence. Someone walks in without the confidence to do anything. All of a sudden, something happens. That shift happens, and it's probably in your mind, right? Yeah. Something happens, and maybe it's it's knowledge, but it's got to be more than that. But it comes down to confidence, right? So would you agree with that? And, and so what's the fastest way then to bridge that gap from your left to your right ear so you get that confidence?
1: Well, the fastest way, like we already talked about, is awareness, number one. Number two is to learn a few techniques to control it, Okay. There's a bunch of those in the book, okay? So the idea is, is to be able to stop it and be aware of it, okay? That's number one and two. Number three is what I also recommend is study. You've got to study. You know, if you're going to take on any sport, you're going to take on you, – you're going to do due diligence when you going to go to buy a piece of property, right? You're going to do all this work, so why not do the same kind of work on yourself? Why not do the same kind of work and read whatever book? Go to the seminars. Get the coaching that you need if it's important to you it's not important to you. You're not going to do it. And that word is discipline. Okay. And the discipline is sometimes doing what you're supposed to be doing when you're supposed to be doing it, whether you want to do it or not. Right. Like I know I gotta, need to go to the gym every day. I got to do it. I got to eat the food I want to eat. I got to study the books I need to study in order to have the dreams I want to have. Nobody's going to wave a magic wand and give it to me. And I think that those are the elements that I would recommend.
0: Yeah. So confidence, you get a lot through, you know, practice repetition activity. And you, you talked about coaching as well. I think having other people basically have co- seen confidence in you. And that's happened to me. Yes. There's certain things I couldn't do. And someone said, oh, you can do this easy. So-and-so did it. And I'm like, oh, really? All of a sudden, I went from not believing it can be done to all of a sudden, well, if he says I can do it, I might be able to do it. And now it encourages you to kind of keep on going and, and do those things. So thank you for that.
1: I was just going to acknowledge you again, because clearly that's a gift. And clearly that's why you have the people and the great testimonials that you have because you not only were able to make that shift yourself quickly, but because you did that, now you're able to help other people make that shift quickly. I say that great leaders are also great teachers. And so thank you for being that great teacher.
0: Yeah, thank you. And it really is about belief, even though you're missing certain skills or or knowledge, but that confidence is so, so important. What is kind of a, a key takeaway you'd like the listeners or the viewers to kind of leave with here today?
1: The key takeaway is the distance between you and where you want to go is not very far. Mm. I mean, you need a couple basic skills. You got to be aware of your little voice and know what to do about that. If you're not good at selling and you're a little uncomfortable, get over it and start practicing and have a good time with it. Find out what kind of sales dog you are. By the way, you can go to uh, blairsinger.com and there's a free diagnostic there. You can find out what kind of sales dog you are. It's a free little diagnostic. You can go check it out and find out and it'll give you some coaching tips. But learn to sell because the most important sell of all is you selling you to you, which is Mm. the confidence that you're talking about. And from that, I've seen people with horrible sales pitches. I've seen people with marginal deals that were also very successful because they were able to do it with confidence and with high, last thing I would say, high integrity. There's an old adage Robert and I talk about. You can't do a good deal with a bad partner. You can't do a good deal with a bad partner. But you can turn a bad deal into something good with a good partner. So my final thing is is to say is do all the things we're talking about, but do them with honesty and integrity. Be the bit of the retriever. And you know what? Your future will be paved for you. That's what I want to let people
0: That's awesome. So the two books we've been talking about is Sales Dogs and the other one is Little Voice Mastery. Yes. Where can people find out more about you and some of the resources you have?
1: Real simple, just go to BlairSinger.com. There's a ton of stuff there. We have some great online programs that teach you how to sell, control your little voice, and how to build great teams, a whole virtual training academy, as well as all the books and seminars that you would want.
0: Blair, it was a real privilege and honor having your show. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you for having me, Michael. It's an honor.
0: All right. So guys, focus on sales. Okay, this is really, really important. And I highly recommend Blair Singer's book called Sales Dog specifically, read that one first, and then read Little Voice Master, because it talks about building up that confidence. The 21 techniques we're talking about are really, really, really good. And everyone actually is in sales. Okay, so if you're a syndicator, you're looking for deals, or you're raising money, you got to be able to talk to people. And I know we talked to playing into weaknesses. And you might think that sales is a weakness. But after reading sales dogs, you are going to agree with me that everyone has a latent salesperson in them. You just don't know it yet because you're associating sales as the pit bull, which is only one of five breeds. So it's really, really encouraging to find out which one of those guys you are, as you could be the basset hound. And the basset hounds are very, very successful salespeople people there they have their own style. And understanding that and living into that strength is really, really important. Also, we did talk a lot about getting better at sales and BlairSinger.com has a lot of resources. We did talk a lot about coaching and Blair's got a good point. uh, That coaching is very, very important. And I did want you guys to know that we do have a coaching program as well. It's at the michaelblank.com forward slash mentor. You can set up a free strategy session. And again, it's not for everyone because there's clearly an investment involved in in this. But man, it really, it's it's amazing. People are in our program, how they accelerate their process. And we had like Andy Vaughn did three deals. In 14 months and raised $760,000. And uh, a lot of it was joint venturing with, with other students as well. So it's just, it's amazing. And I, I truly believe that people can get without coaching. It just takes a lot longer and you make a lot of mistakes. So the one thing I should have done, I didn't do in my restaurant debacle where I lost over a million dollars in my restaurant experience after having read Rich Dad Poor there, by the way, by the way, <laughs> I, you know, I should have a mentor. If I had a mentor, an experienced restaurant mentor at the time, I would not have done the things that would have because that mentor would have said, Hey, why don't you slow down, why don't we do this, why don't you do that. And so I think a mentor, especially when you're doing larger deals, where the mistakes could be larger, uh, is really, really important. So if that's speaking to you, check it out the michaelblank.com forward slash mentor. I think it's so funny when uh, when Blair talked about how he met Robert Kiyosaki, because if you heard him speak before, he's a little rough around the edges. But the funny thing about Robert is he gets his point across like your learning curve is is really high with him. And I suspect that maybe he's so rough around the edges to make an impact on you to drive a point home. But it's funny that uh, this is how these two, these two guys have met. So I've had now the privilege of, of uh, interviewing I don't know, about five rich dad advisors, and they're all just fabulous people. I've had the privilege of getting to know a little bit more as well outside of the podcast. So thanks again for Everyone, the Rich Dad Advisors who come on the show, really appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. And I appreciate you guys listening and watching this. Hope you found it valuable. And I'll catch you guys in the next episode.
1: Thanks for listening to the Apartment Building Investing Podcast with Michael Block. For more free podcasts, articles, and videos, go to themichaelblock.com. There you can also download the free ebook, The Secret to Raising Money to Buy Your First Apartment Building. Till next time.